John chapter 10. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the ship. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the ship did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I know by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flat and one shepherd. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. May the good Lord bless the reading of this word. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for uh, this opportunity that you've given to each and every one of us to enjoy your word, to feast on your word. Most importantly, Lord, we know that your word will help us grow more in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, help us to open our minds and our hearts today as we listen uh, to your words. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for the past week, most especially for the Delay Vacation Bible School. I pray, Father, that... Uh, your words will not indeed return in, in, in vain because uh, that's what you promised. Praying, O oh Lord, for those uh, people who attended and listened to your word. May that word, O oh Lord, grow into their hearts. And Lord, we thank you so much for those uh, volunteers, teachers, most especially Sister Michelle. Thank you, Lord, for her leadership. May you continue to bless her and guide her and her family. And Father, we also remind ourselves of our brothers who are celebrating their birthday this, this week. And Lord, I lift up to you uh, uh, Sister Baby Sotelo, uh, Brother Virgilio, and Brother Eric, and Tyler. I pray, Father, that you will continue to also give them good health that comes from you. May they, O oh Lord, realize that this life is a gift from you, so help them, Father, to be a good steward of it. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. And for those people here in this church who are not feeling well, Lord, I lift them up to you. I lift up to you, uh, Nana Norma. And Lord, I pray that uh, you will heal her. She's in the hospital right now. I pray, Father, that your mercy be upon her. I pray also for uh, Brother uh, Robert Weatherford. Uh, I pray, Lord, for a good result uh, for his uh, uh, cancer. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to heal him, Lord. Lord, nothing is impossible with you. Praying, Lord, for those uh, people like Brother Robert also waiting for, for a transplant. I pray, Lord, that you will provide this. And, Lord, thank you for what you will do. And for Sister Remy, thank you, Lord, for sustaining her life. You are indeed a good God, Lord. 
And so, Lord, we lift up your name. We give back all the glory and honor to you. And, Lord, I can mention every need here. You know every need. And, Lord, I know, Lord, in our study today that you will indeed show to us that you are the good shepherd. You care for us. So that's why we, Lord, bow down to you. We come to you, Lord, because you alone, O Lord, are God. And bless your word. And those people who are living after the worship, give them the traveling mercies. Help them enjoy the nature and the cold weather in California. Help them, O Lord, that uh, they leave us here. And help them to enjoy. Be with them, O Father. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In our previous study last Sunday... Beginning verse 7 up to verse uh, 11 or verse 10, Jesus declared himself as the door of the sheepfold. And in our reading this morning, he continued his conversation. And then if you will notice that as he continued his conversation, he declared himself as the defender of the sheep. In other words, he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, this continuation is fitting when one considers that the shepherd serve as both the door and also the sheepfold and the defender of the sheep. And so, being, being a shepherd... He has many roles, and these, of course, too, were very important. Now, through this, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, revealed that He alone, He alone was the door in the fold, and the sole means of what we call salvation. And that's why His declarations are very unique. If people will ask you, is it indeed there is only one way. Oh, we can point this one. He is the door. There's no other door. There's no question about that. Why? Because he was the one who claimed that he is the only door. No one can enter into the kingdom of God. It's only through Jesus. And those who desire to be the part of this sheepfold must enter the door. There's no other door. And so he goes on to describe his role as defender and also provider for the ship. Many had come claiming to be the Christ. But these were merely, in our reading, merely our hirelings, seeking their own profit and their gain, while caring nothing for the ship. And so Jesus... As he declared, I am the good shepherd, caring for the sheep, providing for their existence. Now, he said, I am the good shepherd, in verse 11. And in reading this, we will notice that this is the fourth of the seven I am declaration that is recorded by course, John, in the Gospel of John. And this I am proclamation again, it points to his unique, not only unique, but also divine identity and also purpose. Three things. His unique divine 
identity and also his purpose. Now, immediately after declaring that he is the door in John chapter 10, verse 7, you will notice he said, I am the good shepherd. You see, when he said, I am the good shepherd, he describes himself as not only the shepherd of the fold, but the good shepherd, quote, unquote, good shepherd. I want you to follow along. What does that mean? Now, it should be understood that Jesus is the good shepherd, not simply a good shepherd. You, you, you heard the difference. And so, others may be, but he is unique in his very character. How many of you have read Psalms 23? Psalms 23 is a good reading, of course, and it talks about uh, the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And in that passage, of course, it describes who is the good shepherd. Now, for us to better understand what is good shepherd, did you know that the word good, in Greek, it's called kalos, kalos. And it, it, it is translated good. And it describes that which is noble, wholesome, good, and also beautiful. That's why he calls himself, I am the good shepherd. You see, you will see the description of him as being noble, wholesome, good, and beautiful. But in contrast to that which is wicked, mean, foul, and unlovely. Now, this signifies not only that which is good inwardly. This is what we call character. But also that which is attractive outwardly. Now, this is his innate goodness. Now, Jesus is referencing his inherent goodness, his righteousness, and also his beauty. That's why he said, I am the good shepherd. He did not simply say, I am a shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd, describing his being noble, wholesome, good, and beautiful in and out. As a shepherd of the sheep, he's the one who, remember these three things, protects, he guides, and also nurtures. And that's why you remember, I am the door. If you want to be protected, if you want to be guided, if you want to be nurtured by the good shepherd, you must enter that door. And of course, that door himself is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, I, 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 I want to share with you the background of this because his audience were Jewish people. And they understand very well what Christ is discussing here. Did you know that the Jews knew all about bad shepherds in the Old Testament? The Old Testament prophet, uh, they constantly castigated the rumors of Israel for being a bad shepherd. And there is this uh, uh, shepherds, of course, they're not only interested in the well-being of, of the sheep. These shepherds, they are only interested in, in 
in feeding and caring for themselves. We have a lot of passages in Jeremiah 23, 1-4, 25-32, Isaiah 56, and Ezekiel chapter 3. But I want to share this one with you. And woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of God, the God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. In verse 4, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Now, there are bad shepherds in those days, but the Lord is promising a good shepherd that is coming. And that's why uh, these Israelite people, they long for the promised messianic shepherd who would make God's love present. You see, they did not feel the love of God in the presence of those bad shepherds. But this good shepherd, he will let them experience the presence, the love presence of God in their midst. So in their minds was the prophecy of the book of Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 11. And this is what the Bible says. See, the Lord comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those with young. Now, if you will take a look at this and imagine reading a good shepherd, uh, while reading this, I'm thinking about those pictures that you see Jesus is carrying a lamb, right? Why? Because that is the truth. He will carry you in his arms. In other words, of course, not literally, but, but in other words, he will care for you. He will not abandon you. And that's why if you go back now in the passage that we were just studying in chapter 10 of the book of John, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, they knew he was claiming to be the Messiah, to be making God present in their midst, to feel God's presence in their midst. He was saying things are going to change. And so they knew what bad shepherds did. So what Jesus goes on to say, tells them, is what the good shepherd has come to do. Now, in our passage today, uh, there are three things that starts with S, that this shepherd, the good shepherd, will do to us. If Pastor Simon has three S, saints, son, and servants, this passage has three also. Okay? First, we'll take a look at the good shepherd's sacrifice. Jesus begins, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Sacrifice. He gives his life as a sacrifice for them. And the sheep, of course, we love the Lord in return. Now, unlike the bad shepherds, only 
look after number one. The good shepherd is willing to give his life for the sheep. Every one of them is precious to him. No cost, no sacrifice is too great for him uh, to make for them. You remember reading Luke chapter 15 in the parable of the lost sheep? The shepherd leaves how many? He left how many? 99 in the fold to go out in the night to search for the one. Now think about this. One. In other words, it's and everyone is important in the sight of God. This good shepherd is not interested in numbers. He's interested in you individually. And that's why if you're thinking about you are not you know, worthy, you're not important, you are in the sight of God. Because this parable of the lost sheep speaks of a good shepherd who really cares for not only 99, he cares for even one. This reminds us of how much a shepherd could care for his sheep. See, the good shepherd is more noteworthy. He is pleased even to give his life for the sheep. Jesus, of course, is allegorically alluding to the cross where the good shepherd actually gave his life to the sheep. Now, the cross says many things about, you know, about, about all things, but uh, uh, the love of God is revealed in Jesus Christ about the good shepherd. Why? Because God, the love of God, is being displayed when Christ was hanging on the cross. And so, what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is the great sacrifice of the good shepherd. He is willing to die for each and every one of us. Now, do you really believe what Jesus did is for you? When you believe... What Jesus did for you, he sacrificed himself as a good shepherd for you. In return, we would love the good shepherd. Have you experienced this in your life? If someone helped you, and then you have this feeling of, oh, he helped me. I need to do something in return to please him. You know what? Same thing is true if we really believe that the Lord saved you, He sacrificed for you, then in return, we will really love the Good Shepherd. Almost the same degree that He loves us. Sometimes we just think of Christianity as, what's in it for me, Lord? We think of Christianity as, I'm prosperous, I'm blessed. But do you think of Christianity as what can you do? What we can do in return for the Lord? Of course, I'm not talking about, you know, helping our salvation. We cannot help our salvation by being good. We are already saved and we need to do good work. And one of the good work is serving the Lord. Amen. Now, three things. When you realize that you are saved by the grace of God, and he sacrificed himself for you, you're not even worthy because you're, you are 
of course, sinners in His sight, but we became worthy. That's by His grace. What we will do is three things. We would forever be thankful for our salvation. Lord, I thank you. I don't deserve this. I am a sinner. I am a bad guy. I am a bad person. I don't deserve this, but thank you, Lord. By your grace, I am saved. Number two, we want to please him. So in other words, when we say we want to please him, we want to live a life that is glorifying in his sight, a life that is pleasing in his sight. We hate what God's hate. We don't do sin. Why? It's because you are already saved from sins. And you don't want to come back. And so what you will realize is, hey, Father, you gave your son his sacrifice. Now I want him to be pleased in my life. Number three, we want to serve him. I think this is the least that we can do. Lord, indeed, your salvation is free. You sacrifice yourself for me. I want to do something for you, isn't it? You, you want to, uh, you know, at least do something. Why? Because you were saved. He sacrificed himself. You know, when it comes to uh, serving the Lord, I stumbled in this uh, article, uh, Celebration of Disciple, and the title is uh, Discipline of Service, written by Richard Foster. No. Uh, how do we know that we really serve the Lord truly? I want to add this one in our sermon today. I want to share them with you. What is the difference between a self-righteous service and a true service? Self-righteous service comes through human effort. True service comes from a relationship with the divine deep inside. It's, it's because you have a relationship. And when you have a relationship, when you want to truly serve the Lord, it comes from that relationship. But self-righteous service comes through human effort. Because you don't have any relationship with the Lord. The only reason why we truly serve the Lord is because we have a relationship with the Lord. Self-righteous service is impressed with a big deal. True service finds it almost impossible to, to, to distinguish the small from the large service. We, we, we don't look upon numbers. True service find it almost impossible to distinguish small from the large service. Self-service or self-righteous service requires external rewards. While true service rests contented in hiddenness. So in other words, when, when, when you serve the Lord truly, you don't want to be, you know, even be patted. Uh, but of course, here in this church, we want to thank everyone. But of course, uh, just to give them, uh, to boost their morale. But you see, true service rests contented in hiddenness. They're not looking, if, even though they will not receive thank you card or something, they will continue to serve the Lord. Why? It's because they are contented in hiddenness. 
But self-righteous service requires external rewards, though we give external rewards. There's not, nothing wrong with that. But, of course, I hope our motivation when we serve the Lord, we will be contented even we forget to say thank you. Even your friend, you help them, they did not say thank you, you will still continue to serve them. Amen. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. True service is free of the need to calculate results. The reason people, many Christians who serve the Lord, are frustrated is because they are interested in results. True service is free of the need to calculate results. The point here is this. Let us just do what God wants us to do and leave the result to the Lord. Amen? Because if you are looking for a result, you will get frustrated. Because many times we don't realize that when we serve the Lord, it's a spiritual battle. Don't think about it as an easy task. Especially when you are ministering to people. People, just like what we are studying today, it describes us as what? Sheep. And in our description last Sunday is about sheep, they are what? Stubborn. They want to do their own thing. And so on our part, what are we going to do? Just be faithful in what God wants us to do. Amen. And leave the result to the Lord. Self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve. Oh, I don't like him. Oh, I don't like him. I will minister to them. They're ugly. Look at them. They're stubborn. I don't want to deal with them. But true service is indiscriminate in its what? Ministry. Self-righteous service is affected by moods and winds. Ah, I'm tired. Ah, I don't want to do it anymore. I was discouraged. I heard my brother and sister, instead of uh, encouraging me, he said negative thing. Blah, 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 blah. That's self-righteous service. Why? Because it is affected by moods and also winds. What is true service? Service ministers simply and faithfully because. I want you to underline the word. There is a need. Hey, it was announced in the pulpit that there is a need. I jump in if I want to serve the Lord truly. Amen. Oh, Sister Michelle approached me. There is a need. I jump in. Why? Because there is a need. You see, self-righteous service is also temporary, but true service is a lifestyle. Oh, I just did it last Sunday. I don't want to do it again. How about other, other people? <laughs> True service is a lifestyle. Amen. Again, go back to what I said before. That's why I said underline the word need. If there is a need, and I know I'm available, I know I'm a fat Christian, faithful, available, teachable, I jump in because 
I want to truly serve the Lord. Amen. Remember this. It goes back to the reason why we're doing this is because Christ sacrificed himself for you and me. Self-righteous service is without sensitivity. It insists on meeting the need even when to do so would be destructive. But true service can withhold the service as freely as performance. You know, they are flexible. Self-righteous service fractures community. The true service, on the other hand, builds community. And that is the reason why the Lord gave you talents, gave you gift, so that You will serve the church. You will serve the community so that the community will be what? Build up. And that's the reason for the service. True service builds community. It builds church. Self-righteous service fractures community. So this is one of the things that we would forever be thankful for our salvation. We want to please God and also serve Him. This morning, how's your service for the Lord? Do you have a ministry? Do you have a talent that you can... Hi, Lord, I want to use this talent so that... Philam Baptist Church will be built. The good shepherd sacrifice. In return, we will be thankful. We will be serving him and we will please him. Number two, the good shepherd's sympathy. We did look at his sacrifice. We are looking at his sympathy. This section of John's Gospel we are studying, of course, begin with Jesus saying, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but most of what follows speaks of the good shepherd's care and also sympathy for the sheep. Bad shepherds, in our reading this morning, here spoken as hirelings. In other words, they do not care for the sheep. Verse 13, second part. And if a wolf comes... What will they do? They will run away. Why? It's because they're just interested on receiving their salary. They're not interested indeed of caring for the sheep. That's why when the wolf comes, I'll hop and I hop and and the shepherd who is hireling, he will just run. He He doesn't care. And so according to our passage, they all scattered. Now, In contrast, the good shepherd knows it's one of his sheep and they know him. He knows one of his sheep and the sheep know him. In wonderfully assuring words, Jesus says in our text, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they Follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out 
of my hands. So that's verse 27 and 28. Note, if you will notice all the personal pronouns in this passage, the good shepherd says, I know my sheep. See the word I. And the sheep know my voice. I came that they may have life. I lay down my life for them. They follow me, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, observe this passage. You will notice the band of love between the good shepherd and also his flock is profound. It is very personal and also very strong. Why? Because he said, no one can snatch them and will snatch them out from my hands. It is profound. It is personal. The relationship is personal. That's why I know them by name. They know me and they listen to my voice and they follow me. Isn't it one of the description of the shepherd or the sheep last Sunday is that uh, when there is someone leading them, they will all follow? And if one will jump uh, into the cliff, everyone will jump. They are followers. You see, when you enter into that door, Jesus Christ, we now belong to the sheepfold. In other words, we now listen to our shepherd. We now follow him. Why? Because he is the good shepherd. Now, in verse 15, it is parallel to the bond between Jesus and the Father. I know my sheep just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Have you, have you noticed this? There is this, uh, of course, parallel uh, between, between the Father and Jesus and us. Now, there's a story about this uh, man in Australia. He was arrested, and he was charged with stealing a ship. But he claimed emphatically that, hey, don't arrest me. This is my ship. I did not steal it. It was missing for how many days? So when the case went to court, of course he was arrested, the judge was puzzled. The judge, he doesn't know what to do, how to decide the matter. At last, he asked, that the ship be brought into the courtroom. And then he ordered the plaintiff to step outside and call the animal. The ship made no response, except, of course, to raise his head and, and look frightened. You remember our video last Sunday? Uh, they, they, they did an experiment, and, and those three persons, they called the ship, and they did not even you know, bother to listen. But when the shepherd came, they all came. That's, that's wonderful. Now, the judge then instructed the defendant to go to the courtyard and call the ship. So when the accused man began to make his distinctive call, the ship bounded toward the door. It was obvious that he recognized the familiar voice of his master. Now, uh, the judge said, his ship knows him. And the judge said, case dismissed. This ship belongs to him. He knows his voice. He knows him. 
Once we have a relationship like this, we would not want to break it. Once we have this profound, deep relationship, very personal relationship with a shepherd, I want to say it again. We don't want to break it. And Jesus tells us that from his side, he will never let us go. If Christ doesn't want you to let him go, why will let you go? Why? Because he is the good shepherd. You are in good hands. Of course, there is an insurance company. You are in good hands. But this one, it's better than they promise. We have a good shepherd. He will never leave us, nor forsake us. You see, this good shepherd, we don't pay premium every month. He is the one who's supplying us. Amen? Why? Because he is a good shepherd. So, when the going gets hard and doubts fill your minds, this is wonderful assurance. The good shepherd loves us and cares for us like a parent does a child. Do you feel abandoned today? Do you feel that you are on, on your own? Huh. Don't think about that. Don't doubt the good shepherd because the good shepherd will always lead you in the path that is, of course, so righteous, a path that is so, of course, good for you and me. Number three, we did look at the sacrifice, the sympathy, and number three, search, the good shepherd's search. John chapter 10 begins with the shepherd calling out his flock in verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. See, again, going back to our sermon last Sunday, this is, of course, uh, the rural uh, sheep pen that they will put all together the ship, but in the morning, the doorkeeper opens it for you, and you call your own ship. Those doesn't belong to you, they don't follow you. But if they are your ship, even though they are mixed together, they will what? Follow you. Now, uh, the other ship are deaf to any other masters than their own. Then in verse 16, Jesus says, I have, I want you to notice this, okay? I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also that they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, what does this mean? What does Jesus want us to understand? Now, if you look up a commentary, you will see that the calling uh, out of the ship allegorically alludes to Jesus calling out believers from the house of Israel. Now, the, who is the other ship? The other ship he wants in the flock are the Gentiles to whom the apostles will go after his death and also his resurrection. Today, who are the Gentiles? They are you and me. Amen. Why? We are not Jewish. Jewish uh, salvation belongs to the Jews first. But of course, God's intention is not only for the Jews, but to all people around the globe. That includes you and me, and we are the Gentiles. So he went, uh, of course, to them first, 
but it was always his intent to include believing Gentiles. First, we will take note that uh, what this reminds us is this, that Jesus was a missionary. That Jesus was a missionary. He was sent to the Jews to bring them back to God and to make possible their salvation. And so he knew them, or he went to them first, but it was always his intent to include believing Gentiles within the new people of God. So the missionary task he gave to his disciples after his resurrection, he said, go ye into all the world, and what? Preach the gospel. He did not just say, just, just stick inside Israel. No, going into all the world. That is the task. Good Shepherd has given us the task. He has shown us His great love for us in dying on the cross for our salvation. And then He constantly watches over us looking life's way and, and of course He sets before us a task. And this task of course is telling the Good Shepherd to other people. Telling others of the good shepherd who wants them to be part of his flock. I read an, a story about this, uh, this goats. This goats was suffering from terminal spinal cancer at the age of 47. Uh, he was a former North Carolina State basketball coach. His name is Jim Valvano. And he spoke with, with a reporter earlier and then he, he looked back on his life and told a story about himself as a 23-year-old coach of a small college team. And the player asked Valvano, the coach, why is winning so important to you? That was the question thrown to him. And this is what he said. Because the final score defines you. You lose Ergo, you're a loser. You win, ergo, you're a winner. And the players insisted, no. Participation is what matters. Trying our best regardless of whether you win or lose, that's what defines you. It took him 24 more years of living. It took the coach battling up from the mattress three, four times a night with his t-shirt uh, soaked with, with sweat and his teeth rattling from the fever chill of chemotherapy and the terror of thinking about seeing himself dying. It took all that for him to say, and this is what, I, uh, what he said, and I quote, those kids were right. It's effort, not result. It's trying. I want to repeat what he said. It's effort, not result, it's trying. And then he said, God, what a great human being I could have been if I had this awareness back then. Now, when it comes to sharing the good news, when we share the good news, when we follow the task of telling others of the good shepherd who wants them to be part of his flock, whether they believe or not, what matters is we share and scatter the, sheep, the seed. Amen. Now, think about Noah. <laughs> how, how many years Noah preached? And no one listens. Yeah, I, I want to go back. What matters to Noah is he has faith in the Lord. 
he still he he told other people that there is you know 100 uh, the scripture said in 6 verse 3 i give them 120 years and then after that but how many listen to him only eight only his family but the point here is this still noah was faithful in doing what the Lord told him to do. You see, it's effort, not the result. It's trying. As a believer in the Lord, you should have a fruit. And what is that fruit? A person whom you will win for the Lord. How many of you are making disciples? Even at least one. Make every effort to share the gospel. Why? Because here, our good shepherd is giving us the example of searching. I have this ship, and I have another that I want to bring them back. And so if we realize what Christ is doing, we will join him in the effort of spreading the good news inviting them into the sheepfold. Many Christians today, they are contented with just going to church. Your mission and my mission is not only to go to church every Sunday and worship. Our mission is to at least win soul for the Lord. If we stop winning soul for the Lord, Christianity will die. That if you have really a genuine relationship with the Lord, you will at least try, make effort, so that the gospel will be spread out. Our concern for us many Christians today is to make our life good by working hard. I want to remind you this morning, all the things that we accumulate, they will all be gone. But the thing that you will bring is, a, is the effort that you at least, Lord, I followed you, I obeyed you. And if people will not listen to you, at least you did something for the Lord. Amen. But of course, it is much better if there is at least one. How long have we been a Christian? How long have you been a Christian? Did you at least bring one into his kingdom? I will ask the question. And you know, North American Mission Board has a program. Who is your one? Who is your one? If we just make an effort, even at least a year, one soul a year, just multiply. How many are we here? And then next year, and then next year, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, the good shepherd is still searching, and he wants to use you for his glory. Amen. Two men were called on in the large classroom, and then they recited. 23rd Psalm. One was 
published orator, and he was trained in his speech. Uh, how there is this technique, and also he was trained to do drama. So he repeated the psalm in a powerful way. When he finished, the audience cheered and even cried, Encore, Encore, go back, go back, repeat, repeat, Encore, that they might hear his wonderful voice again, reciting Psalms 23. Then the other man, who was much older, repeated the same words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But when he finished, no sound came from the large class. Instead, people sat in a deep mood of devotion and prayer. Then the first man, the orator, stood to his feet. I have a confess to make. He said, the difference between what you just heard from my old friend and what you heard from me is this. I know the psalm. My friend knows the shepherd. In our passage this morning, there is so much to learn about this study. Here we learn of the good shepherd's sacrifice, sympathy, and also his search for other sheep to become members of the flock. And like the psalmist, Psalms chapter 23, the writer, psalmist of old, it is a wonderful thing to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to close this message, of course, all of us. I want you to all stand. And I want you to say this Psalms 23. From your heart, okay, from your heart. We will read this all together. If the shepherd is truly your shepherd, we will say it from our heart. And if he's not your shepherd, I invite you to please enter into that door. And that door is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want for us to prayerfully read this in unison, all together, okay? Ready, begin. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is he your shepherd? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that indeed you are our shepherd. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for your care for your sympathy. And we thank you, Lord, for searching us. Lord, we admit many times we're stubborn. We still do it on our own. But Lord, we praise you because you called us. Indeed, Father, you know us by name. And that, Father, is a great assurance 
that we will never, O oh Lord, be abandoned by you. Father, if there is an individual here who is still struggling about their relationship with you, and probably they don't have. And, and Lord, I pray that they will follow you and they will enter through you, O oh Lord. Father, I pray that you will continue to help us realize that you care for us and that you will sustain us. Help us, O Lord, not to focus on ourselves, on our needs. But Lord, focus on you. Because when we focus on you, O Lord, all the things that we worry, all the things that we, O Lord, long for will be provided by you. And so, Father, help us to be faithful to you, loving you and serving you. Father, indeed, we will be forever thankful for you. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We praise the Lord for that beautiful message. And um, as a closing, let's sing that song one more time. Worthy of our praise. He is worthy. He has called us into his flock. We are his shepherd. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd.
worthy of our praise. In fact, it's a privilege and blessing to praise you. We thank you for this morning's worship, for the marvelous message from your faithful servant, our dear pastor. We pray, Father, that you help us reach out to many, many lost sheep. Send us forth. Dismiss us with your blessings. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.